Around 750 million people live on the European continent. So what about it? What will its future look like? Will there ever be a United States of Europe? For this and more, you will hear from European thought leaders, artists, civil society representatives, and all those who care about its future. You will receive key insights into the ways Europe is changing and how your voice can be part of this. I am Paolo De Stilo, and you're listening to Europe Matters. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm joined by Alina Carlsen and Tess De Roy, co-founders of This Is Gendered, the feminist encyclopedia. Before we uh, welcome them, I would like to give a small introduction of um, the two co-founders. So Alina is currently a communication officer at the Focus Forum for Women and Development in Oslo, Norway, where she's calling in from. And she had previously studied political science, international relations and diplomacy. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, Tess De Roy is uh, the other co-founder of This Is Gendered. She just finished working for the task force Women's Rights and Gender Equality at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands. And she's now looking for new opportunities. She's a former politics and medical philosophy student. Welcome, Tess, and welcome, Alina. Thanks so much, Paolo. So, Alina, you're uh, in Oslo at the moment? Yeah, that's correct. I moved here in August from the Netherlands. And uh, Tess, uh, you're uh, in, in Amsterdam, from what I heard. Exactly. Yeah, we're in two different countries. Before you actually were both in the same place and that's how a little bit you started collaborating and working on This Is Gendered. When did it start, uh, the project and the idea of this feminist encyclopedia? Yeah, you're correct. The first feminist uh, encyclopedia. Well, it started in the summer of 2020. So you can imagine the backdrop uh, with both the pandemic and um, the murder of George, George Floyd. Um, so we had a lot of emotions running that summer, um, both because of everything that was happening in the news, but also a little bit of our uh, personal situations. Uh, I found myself uh, around this time interning at a big international institution uh, around other people who I perhaps thought were more like-minded and more interested in social justice issues. Um, and when that wasn't really the case, um, I remember there being a lot of, you know, personal frustration around how do I talk about these topics, uh, including feminism. Um, so that's some of the context. And we met up after studying together for uh, three years in Amsterdam for kind of this catch up coffee, uh, both being in, in a somewhat similar boat. 
Um, and we were discussing like, how, how do you talk about these issues? Uh, and I had a, um, a teacher of mine in high school, uh, not the best teacher in many ways, but uh, he taught me one thing that I've taken with me from then. And that's that everything in the world is political uh, from where you decide to place, you know, the handicap entrance at a building um, to, you know, who are allowed to vote, who pays taxes, um, but like the everyday stuff, the bigger things. Um, and we were discussing this, like how not everyone see things as political and how it's even possible to be apolitical in 2020. Um, so it came from there. We both had this like feminist gendered view of the world and uh we kind of sparked each other curiosity of like how far can we take that idea so tess if people go and visit your um your website they will find different names on it so what is the purpose of this encyclopedia what uh, why did you choose an encyclopedia which feels kind of boring sometimes to to read into as a tool also how did you come up with the idea together yeah, right. So we noticed that the both of us, when we were having conversations about gender, about feminism, but also about other forms of discrimination, we were talking about it at quite an academic and abstract level, um, both, you know, coming from university um, and then sort of entering, for instance, um, the, 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 the work field, as Alina says, in her internship. And there was just like a mismatch between the, the, the way in which we talked about these these subjects and the way that other people wanted to approach them, which was mu much more tangible and much more concrete and much more about the everyday impacts. So we thought, okay, we need to sort of like break down that abstract knowledge and start to discuss about how gender and feminism affect us in our daily lives. And we wanted to just gather as many examples as possible um, from, you know, tissues to pens to emails, to Zoom calls, to enable people to just have very, very, very sort of mundane, everyday interactions about them and to facilitate conversations about gender and feminism and make them more accessible to a wider public, to people who aren't necessarily university schooled, for instance, or who generally um, don't have an interest or a background in these topics. And an encyclopedia format with, you know, like a search bar, et cetera, is just suitable for that. And we set ourselves the challenge of explaining how everything around us, every single thing is gendered. And what does it mean that something is gendered? I usually, um, Tess, feel free to add, but I usually think about it in two ways. Uh, one is that it, like, it's something that impacts people of different gender identities differently, you know? So, for instance, me and you, Paulo identify as a woman, identify as a man, we would be impacted differently by a certain practice or we would feel differently being in a certain public space or uh, treated differently in a specific setting or so forth. Um, and the second thing is that it's also words in the encyclopedia that are kind of like shaped by ideas of masculinity and femininity. So the masculine being rational and other things we associate with masculinity, perhaps even you know, violence or hard or strong, or we've even written about it in the very abstract terms. Sometimes you see it, you know, as above while the feminine is below or, you know, uh, and femininity being more these like weak, 
uh, careful, caring community, you know, all those Asians that people have that, yeah, certain practices and places and objects, they're, they're shaped by that. So those two kind of things is, is what I considered um, gendered. Do you completely agree, uh, Tess, on what Alina said, or do you have another perspective? No, I think I think Alina did a good job here explaining what we mean by gendered. I mean, it really depends on the topic. Like some, sometimes it has to do with accessibility. Sometimes it has to do with representation. Sometimes it has to do with um, whether something is designed for you, yes or no. And also, like, let me be clear, we, we don't only focus on how um, institutions, histories, objects, you name it, are um, not made for women, for instance. It could also not be suitable for people of other genders. Um, there are cases in which gender norms harm men, too. You know, like this is gendered is definitely a space for that as well. But coming back to your question of what do we mean by gendered, it indeed has to do with um, yeah, the, the impacts, but also sort of the structures of masculinity and femininity. Usually people, when they think about an encyclopedia, it's something already made. It's a big book with a lot of letters. There's like uh, version A, B, C, D, E, because there's like so many words and it's very, very big, and and only very uh, only nerds read them, or or people that really enjoy pictures with them. But your encyclopedia is still uh, growing; it's still um, evolving. Um, so if you visit their their website, you will see that it's not volumes of words and and uh, names, but it is a growing encyclopedia and how, because from what I understood and also what I saw is that you allow people to send a contribution and on which base do you accept contributions regarding specific uh, words? Well, our idea is indeed to be a collaborative platform, um, a place where people can share their experience with in a gendered world and with a gendered world. And talking about the criteria um, we like explicitly also want to give uh, space to stories that are not necessarily research based. They, people are also definitely allowed to speak from personal experience because we think that is very valid as well and often very telling about the world we live in. Um, and we have an amazing team of editors that edit um, all incoming pieces and do make sure that facts are checked and that there are no, no false claims and that they're nuanced enough um, and inclusive enough. So I would say any piece is welcome, um, but we, re we read it carefully. Yeah. And if I, if I can add like one of these like important feminist principles is that the personal is also political. So in the encyclopedia, you'll see some entries being based on statistics, on, um, you know, research and that sort of stuff. And then you also have entries that are just based on one single event, one single encounter. Um, but we think that it's important to include that as well, because it's just as telling. And that's also how kind of feminist theory and knowledge and research came about was kind of mapping these individual experiences. Um, so that's also something you'll encounter. You'll see people writing from, uh, from kind of like their own perspective. To give an example, one of your entries that you've written is uh, about a sink. 
And I would have never thought that a sink is where you wash your hands would be something gendered. However, with the example of uh, the Dyson blade crane, how you uh, maybe you can give a little bit more explanation about that, but it, it was very interesting because you show how specific technologies which have been developed to make the process of uh, washing your hands and also drying them more efficient. However, uh, the drying aspect of those two arms uh, next to the where the water uh, goes out, you um, yeah, it can create a lot of problems for women that use uh, menstruation cups. Exactly, and this this entry. So so the sink is like it's one of those sinks. I mean, people listen to this, right? So it's one of those things where if you put your hands in a uh, movement forward. Uh, you'll have water, and then if you put your hands sideways, then the air will come. So it's kind of like a two-in-one solution. Um, sounds really smart uh, if you're only washing your hands, right? But as soon as you have something else that you need to do in the bathroom, for a lot of people with uh, vaginas and people who menstruate, they will need to empty their menstrual cup there. Um, if you're uh, taking care of children, you perhaps you know need to carry with you other things. So, and, and this happened, this is like a story that happened to not a friend of mine, but, uh, someone she was with, uh, where she indeed had emptied her menstrual cup in, in one of these, uh, sinks, um, and the blood had covered the walls and that airport bathroom. I should have warned you that this, this is going to be quite a splatter episode. Yeah. A trigger warning. (laughs) A trigger warning. (laughs) Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it, it's as you said, it shows how how not everyone's experience is considered in in kind of planning these public spaces. And uh, I mean, you had these things in the university that the three of us went to Amsterdam University. Um, you had them at Amsterdam Airport uh, and and other places. Which which entry uh, test did you enjoy the most writing? I think it was unpaid labor. It's also the one that I'm maybe most proud of. Because it, like, I keep referring to it a lot. So in the unpaid labor entry, I tried to describe, um, I mean, like, we all know that it's often women who uh, take on sort of like a lot of the work in the household, care for children, um, this traditional uh, um, role division. But what I tried to explain in the entry as well is all the work that is even more invisible than that. Um, namely the mental labor of thinking about buying people a present, thinking about at what time to pick up the children, thinking about texting uh, a sick family member, like those small, small, small tasks that are still quite tasking. (laughs) They just take up a lot of mental space. And that is what I really try to bring uh, forward in that piece. And especially like in the COVID pandemic, this became sort of and an even bigger issue, right? Like with with homeschooling, um, children being at home, we just saw the workload on women uh, increase. Yeah, I enjoyed, but I especially enjoyed being able to bring it up in conversations. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And uh, Alina, was the sink your favorite one? I think it's one of my favorite uh, ones, um, but another one I I enjoyed was the Google Maps one, um, which talks about that you know you have a, an option for the fastest route and the shortest route, but you don't have an option for the safest route, uh, which is about you know lighting, what kind of streets um, that you, that you're using to get from your destination A to B. Because, I mean, I use Google Maps every single day for absolutely everything. But at the same time, I could very much relate to that feeling of, you know, just blindly trusting this device in my hands and this app, but then realizing that perhaps that wasn't such a good idea. And I think it's also a um, nice entry because you can also see that some change is happening and, you know, people are trying to to create solutions and people are also letting google know <laughs> that they want this and um it's also it's always nice to to also be able to kind of speak to the change that is happening in your google maps entry you really talk about uh the fact that it's not considered the the dangers of perhaps on um not not very safe roads for example not only uh, not only because of the the area that you're walking through and, and there's like highways next to it but especially if there's like not enough lighting, which might impede a sense of security, especially in a big city. You also showed there's already alternatives. And you mentioned before that your team is uh, growing as well. So you started two of you. And now how many people are you in your uh, encyclopedia organization? We are nine. We have a core team of nine um, living in six different countries on three continents. Um But we also have a contributor base of, of 27 people. So um, like definitely big shout out to them as well, because we do have these fantastic incoming pieces from, from people who want to share. Um, 
yeah, that is what the team looks like now. And are you thinking about translating the encyclopedia in the future? Yeah, for sure. And especially if you want to stay true to this principle of being accessible, we also want people to be able to contribute in, in the language that they are comfortable um, but unfortunately, that as many other things uh, requires money, not only the, the web development, but also uh, translators to languages that we haven't covered in the team already. So, um, yeah, I think that's our, our biggest hurdle to not have that uh, function quite yet. So walking through the streets during the night can be dangerous, especially if you're a woman and there's not much light. But how does that relate to also European cities or to ways that in which cities are designed might also create dynamics which are gendered? Perhaps, Tess, you could like tell a little bit us more about what you see as being gendered in Europe. Yeah, right. There is this, this um, concept called feminist urban planning. And an excellent example of that is, is Vienna and Austria, where they really designed the public space to be gender inclusive, but also inclusive in other um, respects. So what they did, for instance, is they ma made sidewalks very broad so people could um, uh, use them in a wheelchair or with a pushchair for, the, for their children. But um, in the traffic lights, they also show instead of a, a single person waiting, they show um, same-sex couples waiting with a little heart. Um, there is also a signage with... Um, a father and his children uh, waiting for the bus or given um, priority like family access in public transport, which is, again, a move away from, you know, the woman as the primary caregiver. So um, in, in having these bigger and smaller signals of uh, gender inclusivity, they really shaped uh, a more, yeah, a more feminist city, I would say, in a very broad sense. Yeah, and, and if I can add to that, we have this category in the encyclopedia called public spaces, and there I think there's a lot of things that people listening to this podcast can, can relate to when it comes to accessibility and, and navigating public spaces. And there, for instance, uh, there's an entry on urinals. For instance, if you visit, you happen to visit tests or just visiting Amsterdam in general, um, you'll notice that it's quite difficult to find a place to pee Uh, if you don't have a penis, so there's a lot of uh, urinals for people with penises, but not for people who would prefer squatting or, or sitting down when peeing. And that's an issue. But you also see the same issue in other European cities. You see it in the UK, you see it in Paris, France, where they also decided to put up a, a lot of urinals uh, to avoid people urinating just on the street. But they didn't put up any um, option for people who would prefer, you know, sitting down on the toilet or, and it's really speaks to this like private public divide where you say it's, it's okay for men to kind of be accommodated in public spaces while it's much less common for women. So that's why it's so nice to hear Tessa's example, right? That this is being done, uh, something is being done with it. And yeah, it's a very positive development in some places as well in Europe. Yes, but that could have been also quite uh, different in the, in the past. Well, when, if we look at 100 years ago, we didn't have so many urinals or uh, people would just go uh, in the streets and, and have a pee. So there wasn't very much a big problem well, where women and men 
were peeing on the streets, which was quite common practice, we could say, at the time. So did that change in the last hundred years, this way of like gender balance on these public decisions, on public spaces? <laughs> Do you mean the gender balance in public peeing or the gender balance in designing public spaces? <laughs> um, if, it's, if it's the latter... Um, to be honest, I'm not sure who were the ones promoting this feminist urban planning in, for instance, Vienna, and it's also happening in other places. Um, but it's definitely so that representation is a huge part of it. Previously, um, Alina and I were discussing how, for instance, the people in Vienna were also designing uh, places where you could do a workout outside. And they were thinking, okay, like we must make um, like very open open spaces with the equipment so women feel safe because there's always someone who can see them. Uh, when they're doing their workouts but what actually happened is that women felt looked at and objectified so this really shows you that you have to take the voices on board of the people who will actually be using in this case um, the workout equipment and yeah representation matters and I'm not sure how it developed over time uh, within within the last century but um, it helps yeah, and so this also brings me to maybe our next topic, which is a little bit about Europe and how you see Europe uh, being gendered. There's been the mishandshake for Ursula von der Leyen, the head of the European Commission, the president. At the EU's flagship Africa summit, uh, the Ugandan foreign minister, Yeye Onongo, appeared to walk past von der Leyen, only shaking the hands to... Charles Michel and uh, Macron. And afterwards, Macron had to actually show the way of Odongo. Look, there's the president of the European Commission, which is one of the highest positions in the European uh, system, which was, a, again, kind of an, a certain way, an, an embarrassment because this happened again in Turkey. When you hear these kind of events, uh, what do you think, Alina, if you want to share your thoughts about how you see these kind of events also influencing on a high level politics and the dynamics of uh, world politics. I'm not surprised <laughs> if I may, may start there. I mean, this is the, the tip of the iceberg and um, Tess and I were also discussing, you know, similarly the um, Munich security conference that was held recently and, and what that kind of showed us about the state of, European politics, but also perhaps international politics, where you have this big room of, of white, quite old men. And gender is given a role at conferences like that, but it's kind of in the side session. It's not within the main program. The fact that Ursula von der Leyen became, you know, has the position that she has, it is a good development and for many, you know, it's it's revolutionary, um, but there's still a very long way to go. Tess, if you want to to add as well. Yeah, Estudio von der Leyen scandal. It's the second uh, one of its kind, but um, <laughs> when it comes to her, but also just the, the hatred, um, the threats that uh, women politicians have to deal with on a daily basis is just incredibly. Um, it's it's a violation of their rights, but it's also so discouraging for mm. women to enter politics. And you you see the effects um, where they're actually leaving or not even um, entering anymore, which is very regrettable, obviously. And um, 
getting back to the to the Munich Security Council, where indeed representation was also a huge problem, not just in the people who attended, but also indeed in the topics that were covered, where we see in a whole range of international events at, uh, you know, UN Security Councils, UN uh, General Assemblies, etc., etc., etc. We see so-called women's issues being pushed literally to the sides as side events. So in these fringe sessions and fringe meetings, people do talk about uh, gender-based violence, for instance, when it, when it comes to security-related topics, or about health crises, or about human rights violations, which we think are, are soft security issues and less important than hard security issues such as nuclear war or, or weapons. So yes, they are given some space, but these are actually the issues affecting us on a day-to-day basis. We're finding ourselves in a pandemic. I mean, I don't think I have to explain that. And they, they really need to be given um, the main stage, more attention. And men need to be talking about them too. I know this is going to be a difficult question to to keep short, but where does this dynamic of come from, this dynamic between women and men? Is it, from what I understand from also, of course, there's a lot of feminist theory about it, that it's very eradicated in society, but is it only a Western thing that women are do not have access to power? The short answer is no, that it's not just a Western thing. It's very much a global thing. I think there's definitely other cultures um, that are doing better or places in the past where perhaps there was more gender equality or less binary thinking. We see that European colonial powers have spread gender, the conceptualization of gender as a binary thing um, in the world. Yeah, I'm not sure if that, like, there's a lot to say about that, so... Yeah, we can always uh, discuss that in a in a sequel. That would be good. <laughs> Alina, please. Yeah, it's a huge topic, and I think at the core of it is also, like, these kind of ideas of masculinity and femininity, where masculinity is privileged over femininity. It is very sustainable, or, like, you see it manifest differently in different places, in different contexts, but the pattern is that... It is masculinity who, that, who, or in that case, because men are also associated with this masculinity who benefit in a lot of cases or in most cases, but it might manifest itself differently in different scenarios. And that's also why it's so difficult to do something about as well. Yeah, I know I'm leaving you with a cliffhanger about understanding how masculinity and femininity affects our uh, world, which is from maybe hopefully from this conversation you have seen that is gendered and uh, for a political and feminist uh, lens, you can see differently at how specific things are gendered. Thank you so much, Paolo. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Paolo. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Europe Matters. Special thanks goes to my assistant producer, Antonio Mattesini. Let us know who we should interview next by writing a comment and sharing it with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn using the handle at Europe Matters. Don't forget to leave a review on whichever podcast streaming platform you use. And if you really like this show, the best way to support us is by making a donation on Patreon.com. You can learn more at www.europematters.com. Speak to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.